to paraphrase a pop artist Andy Warhol, in the future everyone will have their 15 minutes of fame. But for some people in the growing online Sabuto community, that fame has already lasted much longer. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be looking at how the global coronavirus pandemic, which began for the UK just over a year ago, has impacted its growth. We'll hear from a number of contributors who have become well-known faces in the last year and what the future holds for them and their projects. All that and more coming up in this episode of Finger Flicking Good. Keep listening. When the coronavirus pandemic struck the UK last March, I, like many others, found myself plunged into lockdown and I wondered how I was going to get through the long hours without work. I needn't have worried. A trip into the garage soon brought to my attention the old Sabutio pitch that had last seen action some six years earlier. Enlisting the help of my son, who had returned early from his final year at university, I set about starting a Sabutio league consisting of three divisions, which we played, posting the results on a weekly podcast that I was producing for the year three primary school class I taught. At the same time, we started to look online to see what was going on with Sabutio in general, and what we found was a game in rude health. There were Facebook groups dedicated to the game, and countless accounts on Twitter promoting the online Sabutio community. Soon, we found ourselves not just playing the game, but doing a little bit of collecting and quite a bit of team painting. Sabutio appeared to be enjoying a renaissance, but the big question was how much of it was down solely to the pandemic, and would it survive when life went back to normal? And it was this fear for its future beyond the lockdown that made me want to start this podcast. I was amazed that one already didn't exist. There had been a short-lived series produced by a Brit based in the United States, but I wanted to do something different. I wanted to make it about the online Subutio community, the ordinary men and women who played the game, who built the stadia, who painted the teams and who collected all the stuff. So, armed with my mobile phone and podcasting app, I hit the internet. One of the first people I encountered was Callum Westwood. His Westwood Table Soccer channel on YouTube had inspired me to pick up a paintbrush and paint my own teams. Although he had been painting teams for years, it was a pandemic that made him think about doing a YouTube channel dedicated to that particular side of the hobby. Um, so I started my YouTube channel at the start of the first lockdown, within about a week and a half, I think, of going into lockdown. Um, and the reason I started it was because... I'd seen Stuart, Sputo Collector, uh, I think he'd not long passed a thousand and hit the monetization mark for YouTube so he can get ad revenues and things. I sort of sat there and thought, he's done it, maybe I can do it. And then in the end, it just kind of developed away from trying to get to that level and actually becoming something I really loved doing. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if you've seen any of my really early videos, but they're absolutely terrible. Um, and it sort of just developed into becoming a way of teaching and helping people out in the within the hobby, really. Um, and then helping sort of try and boost my own products as well as, you know, trying to help other people who want to paint their own stuff. Lawrence Watson of Watsies of Beauty Art is another whose original videos on YouTube inspired me to paint my own teams. He'd started out with short team painting tutorials. Here he is talking about how lockdown led him to starting the tutorials and how this soon led to him producing a Subutio show on YouTube based on what had been a beloved football programme from 1990s television, Fantasy Football League, which had been hosted by Frank Skinner and David Bedeal. His Subutio Fantasy Football show now has hundreds of views each week and continues to grow. Um, well, I think, it's, I think I started the tutorials about the start of lockdown about April or so. Um, I just thought, being bored, uh, nothing to do. I thought I would invest in a GoPro, which, by the way, doesn't actually serve any purpose. You don't need a GoPro to make tutorials. Um, but I thought, I'll spend a bit of money, get into it, try and give back what I have learnt, self-taught. Um, so I started painting 
and I ended up doing a team for a guy, a World Cup, Fantasy World Cup 11. Uh, the guy, uh, really supportive. He's from Cork in Ireland. Um, and we were just chatting. So we ended up doing a show about his team. So every week I would do like, show you how I painted the Maradona and how I painted the Brazil team, things like that there. So then it came to an end of doing his team and doing the, the wee videos on his team every week. And then he was saying to me, we do a fantasy football. No, everybody does fantasy football anyway. And I says, yeah, I always do one myself. He says, why don't you do a show based on fantasy football, like the TV show, Fantasy Football? I says, hey, that's a cracking idea. You know, straight away, my eyes lit up, man. This is something we could run with. Started thinking of, like, having somebody, like, two people sitting on a sofa talking about Subutio, bringing in fantasy football to it, and then trying to trying to make it a Subutio show, but keeping that element of the fantasy football in it, you know, with the Premier League. So I think the first week I planned to do it on my own and I think it went, uh, Martin was my first guest on the show, Martin Oak. So I brought him, went round to his shed, the interview and turned out after the show, I went, Martin, that was brilliant. We should do a double act because Bedeelan Skinner was fantasy football. Um, we should do it as a double act and he was all on board. So that's, it just, it just took off from there. So that, so it was a guy called Gary Nolan. Um, who actually put the idea in our heads, and we always credit him for actually creating it. Basically, as Lauren stated, he doesn't do the show on his own. Like Frank Skinner had David Bedeal as a file to work with, Lawrence has a friend from the Derry City Subutio Club, Martin Og Bradley, with whom to bounce ideas off. Martin Og, already well known within the UK community as a player of some repute is in no doubt about whose show it is and why it's so popular. Well, it was Lawrence's show. So it's, uh, it was Lawrence and myself that set up our own Derry City Table Football Club. Uh, and he uh, he was doing like an outside broadcast for his show. Wanted to get out of his own shed. So he came over to my shed and interviewed me one evening and then just roped me in doing the rest of it then. So... I've been on it ever since. But it's most definitely not my show. Lawrence's show. Stephen Huddle is a journalist from Merseyside. As well as being a member of the Netflix team on YouTube, he's also the brains behind the influential blog, Subutio Online. And this year, he launched issue one of the Subutio magazine, The Hobby. I asked him why he had started his blog. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I am a serial blogger. Um, I, I don't seem to be able to get into anything without wanting to document it. Um, and it's not really to, you know, to grow it into a thing, to, to, to grow it into a, something that's got a huge audience and, you know, becomes this big thing. But it's more just, um, I, mean, I suppose it's the same reason that people kept diaries for years and years. It's just to sort of chronicle my experiences and write things down as I discover them. Um, I've done blogs before. I run a, a local football blog, and uh, you know, I've done blogs on Everton, the team I support. Um, but with this one, it was just I, I discovered Subutio. I loved it. I found the Subutio forum really interesting. Um, obviously, there weren't too many Facebook groups and things around then. Um, so I thought there's probably a bit of a space for somebody to start blogging in the UK. Um, so I gave it a go. I, I didn't really expect it to last which is usually when I give up. Stuart Grant, a.k.a. The Subutio Collector, has a website as well as a YouTube channel called Ubutio. He's also a member of the Netflix team, and I asked him at what point his collecting of Subutio turned into a YouTube channel. Oh, so there, there wasn't really, a, I mean, it wasn't really a point of going and being decided to do YouTube. I decided at a point I wanted to do an account based around Subutio. And I remember the point it was, I took a picture of my loft, my old loft from two houses ago. I took a picture of it, put that on Instagram, and it, it went nuts. I felt like a celebrity for a day because I just kept getting like after like after like after like after like. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to set up a Subutio feed. Like I'm going to do, I've got my account, and then I can have the Subutio account. And I set it up from there. And then going on to the channel, the reason I've done the channel was because there was not, I watch a lot of YouTube and there was nothing on YouTube talking about Subutio in the style that I like people doing. 
And that's that's sort of why I did it. I, still, I saw a gap and thought, no one's doing this. Let me do it. I'll give it a go. And the next thing you know, there I am. What's become clear to me is that none of our contributors are in it for the money. Compared to many other hobbies, the Sabutio community is tiny. So I asked each of them what they got out of it. What was the upside of being a well-known personality within the community? First up, Colin Westwood, who despite having 894 YouTube subscribers and 2,500 followers on Twitter, was remarkably modest about his fame. The upside of becoming well-known. Well, I don't know if I am well-known, to be honest with you. Um, I'm definitely not the biggest in terms of any of my, my social media outlets, my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. I'm by not even close, I don't think. Um, so I don't know if I am well-known. I used to be fairly well-known for different reasons within the Sputio. I've been, like I say, I've been involved in the Sputio community for a long time, um, back when the original Sputio club was around. And a lot of people knew me then because I was quite a cheeky chappy, quite young. Um, I think I was like 12, 13 years old, so I'd always turn up at fairs and everyone knew that I'd always try and get something for nothing or try and get a bargain. But um, I, don't, I don't know if I am. I don't think I'm that well known in the, the Subutio Well, I suppose it's nice that people come to me to ask questions now, um, which I like because I like to help people out with things. So I do get a lot of um, emails and direct messages through Twitter and stuff, just uh, people asking me questions about, oh, you know, what would you recommend for this colour or doing this team? And sometimes it's even um, because people know that I'm a bit of a heavyweight freak. They ask me questions about, oh, you know, what do you think of this? Do you think it's legit? How do you tell? Those sort of things. So I suppose that's been an upshot is that by becoming more well-known, you're able to help more people and get in contact with more people to try and bring them all together in the community, which is, you know, sort of part of what the Sputio show is about because we are all different but we all just want to try and bring everyone together because it's quite a, a fractured community at times, I guess. Lawrence Watson, 1,600 plus Twitter followers, 369 YouTube subscribers, is another who is very modest about his standing in the community. He does, however, see a commercial as well as personal upside to being quite well known. Despite this, it's his growing connections with people within the community that drives him to do what he does. You're you're become more. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say famous. I definitely wouldn't say famous. Somebody said the other day. Um, somebody said to me the other day, "You're a celebrity of the video now." And I said, "Don't. I'm not a celebrity. There's no way. You know, the guys like Keith and stuff are uh, celebrities. They've got bigger views. Um, we're just out for a bit of fun, a bit of a bit of last. The upside would be." Definitely, my orders increased. Um, demand for teams became bigger. Um, obviously, I've stopped taking orders. Um, of too much of a backlog. Uh, going through a bit of personal stuff, so it's been put in the back burner. So, uh, once I clear up my orders, um, I definitely cut back on the amount of orders I'll take. Uh, not to make it. I don't want to be like elite elitist, but I just don't want to have. There's a lot of pressure doing it. There's a lot of time consumed in it and then making the podcast or the videos every week for the show and then doing the, the fortnightly video for the Netflix show. Um, it just takes up a lot of your time. Um, so you, you would sort of, in an evening, if you're doing a recording, you'd be sitting to 10 o'clock maybe recording and then you've got a day of editing and stuff. So for me, the upside to the, the actual the YouTube channels it's definitely the orders um, that have come in, but obviously I've, I've had to put a stop to it. I would say also I've met more people, you know, more. I gotten, Before I would have just answered people on Twitter, answered their questions or um, answered their comments on the, the YouTube tutorials about painting. But I've actually started to connect with more painters, like yourself, likes of um, Paul Pearson, all the guys out of the Netflix show, having a better understanding of the community um so that that's definitely an upside um before i would have just thought it's a video i play it and i'll paint it and that's it and then you get people starting to ask you more questions trying to get down into details about like pitches uh what sort of balls you use bases you use you know it, you become without knowing you become like 
a good one of the go to guys in Sevilla, which is great. Um, and I'm always I'm always willing to share. I know there's people out there would say, "Oh, not, it's all top secret. I'm not telling you anything. You know, I'm not telling you where I buy my pitches. I'm not telling you where I buy this. You know, I think the more the more you let people in, the more feedback you'll get. The more the more positivity you'll get from people as well. So it has obviously lots of upsides. Um, but for me, it's definitely been the orders. His co-host, Martin Og Bradley, agrees with him about the making new friends aspect of it all. For him, it's always been a bit of fun, and even though they have quite a large audience, he still sees it as having a laugh with his friends. The upside of getting a wider audience? I don't know, man. I, to me, it's a bit of crack. I, I enjoy the YouTube show. I enjoy people watching it, you know, all our video boys. I enjoy people commenting on the videos and, I mean, the, the Fantasy League with all the names on it. I, I enjoy the crack me boys, you know. Subidio's always been like that. It's always been about being about, like, your friends in the street all together and, like, a wee club and having the crack. And now it's about world, like, and meeting people in England and Scotland and once coming over here from Australia, there's that shared thing with Subidio. So you can always have a better crack. And I enjoy the fun with people. You know, I enjoy the fun in the shows. The show's lighthearted. And it's because it's Lawrence's show, it's not my show. I have maybe a bit more freedom than he does. So I don't mind just giving my own opinions. And there's nothing bad on it. You know, slagging boys having a better crack. When we get the guests on, uh, you know, it's people that you've met before over, like, you haven't seen in years. People that you met in Scotland, played some video or in England, or, you know, like Mark Farrell on, he comes up from Dublin, you know, and very irregularly we would see each other. But when we're all together as a group, the video boys, you know, I don't know, man. Do you think the, show, a... the show's like that, the show feels like that about. Stuart Grant, who has almost 3,000 subscribers on YouTube and over 5,000 followers on Twitter, is someone who is much more comfortable with his celebrity. For him, like the others, though, it's all about the community. Um, I thought, you know what? The upside, if anything, it's, it's not anything. I've had people get in touch with me from time to time to say they're selling bits, and I've managed to get a few bits in the collection because of it, I suppose, which is always a bonus, but that's not really it. It's actually meeting and talking to some of the people and making some friends through it. I mean, these are people that I haven't met face-to-face, but I've spoke to them over the internet, spoke to them through instant messaging. And there's people out there now that I would generally call friends in the community. And I, I can't wait for lockdown and COVID and all that to go away so we can actually go and meet at these Tributio fairs and have a beer together. Honestly, I've, I've made some great friends during this time. Yourself, the guys on the Netflix show. There's so many people that I'd love to get together and actually drink and have a beer with. It's great. But like, honestly, the friendships have been great out of it. Stephen Hurrell, who has over 11,000 followers on Twitter and many more hits to his influential Subutio online website, is much more reticent about his celebrity. He likes the anonymity of his blog, but understands that the Netflix show on YouTube has made him something of a minor celebrity within the community. <laughs> I'm I'm not particularly one who I don't like to be well known within the community. I like engaging with the community and chatting to people. Um, I don't I, I don't enjoy being a figure a figurehead of anything in the community. Um, you know, at first I didn't even put my name on the blog, but I thought when a blog is anonymous, it looks suspicious. I have to put my name on. I have to say who I am. So I did. Um, I'm not really one to seek that sort of limelight. Um, but I mean, I think the most positive aspect of it is that if people know your name and you're the person behind the website or a video series, they will open up to you a little bit more. They'll contact you. So people will get in touch with me with little tidbits about video history, items they've got that they might want questions on. Um, and just generally, I mean, over the last few weeks, especially since the magazine has come out, I've had some absolutely brilliant stories of people just sharing their Subutio experiences when they started playing Um one of the, I mean, shameless plug for the magazine, but I think my favourite page of the magazine is um, like a Wayne who sent his Sabutio story and he said about how he set up his stadium. And it was a very emotional journey for him because 
when he was younger, he used to play Cerrito Leagues with his brother, who sadly passed away. And building the stadium has been quite cathartic for him in that, you know, it's it's bringing back those memories and that nostalgia of the time he spent with his brother. And it's that sort of really human story that I really, really do appreciate when people get in touch and you know, we have a chat about that. I put it to Stephen that his blog is so wide-ranging and influential that he might be considered by some to be the natural successor to the legendary Peter Upton. Stephen, in his usual modest manner, was quick to close down that particular avenue of discussion. No, not at all. And I, I really don't see myself as the new Peter Upton. I think his site is is just the, you know, it's the encyclopedia of Spuzio. I think it's there's not going to be anything as useful um, or as interesting as that site around. Um, I wanted mine to be more of a, a culture type thing, so more about the sort of culture surrounding Spuzio. Um So I, I never really see it as the place to go to for advice because when you come to the blog, you're only getting advice from me and I'm by no means an expert on anything Spuzio. Um But I do hope it's a place where you can go for inspiration, whether it's the next team you're going to buy on eBay or the nice little accessory that you didn't know exist that you want to add to your collection or how you're going to build your stadium next. Um, I hope it's that more than a, a sort of encyclopedia of Sabuzio. Um, But no, I never expected it to get anywhere near as big as it got. I didn't think the community was as big as it is. Um, I didn't think the interest was there. I thought it'd be a nice fun thing for me to do in my spare time. But, you know, it turns out that there is a lot of interest in it. Becoming well-known in any community sets you up as a target for people with a gripe, a grudge, or a particular axe to grind. And each of our contributors have had their share of trolls and disputes, particularly Stuart Grant. Here he is describing the downside of being well-known in the community as both a collector who is known to buy items and as a YouTube presenter. Oh, well, yeah, so you do get... <laughs> There's two things you get with it, really. So... People always, I get offered stuff quite a lot. And because I'm a collector, and because I shout about it, people always think I'll take it and I might pay silly money. But I have also been trolled in the past. Back in the early days of when I did the channel, I had a troll coming at me trying to say this, that and the other about my collection or what I've been buying. And yeah, that could be quite hard to deal with because they say don't deal with a troll. But I can be quite confrontational from time to time. So I felt the need to have it out of him on the channel, put him in his place. And I'll be honest, I didn't see him again for about a year and a half until he popped up. And then, because this sounds big-headed, but because of the success of the channel, I didn't actually have to put him in his place because regular viewers and people that enjoy the show did it for me. So that was quite nice. I don't get that much grief. Most people are really receptive to it. I mean, how can you be negative about inch-high plastic men being slid around a pitch? <laughs> you know what I mean? It does happen. You do get that in Sabutio. You do get people... My, my bit's better than yours, or my group does this, you can't say this in that group, you can't comment about this, you can't post this there. People do get a bit almost egotistical about it, when at the end of the day, it is just Sabutio, but I suppose that's the nature of the beast. But as a whole, generally, everyone's okay. Colin Westwood is another who has had some experience of trolling. <laughs> yes. Um the downside of print on social media. I mean, recently I've been banned from one of the groups um, for posting a, a sales post in inverted commas uh, on a group that doesn't like sales posts. Um, I won't go into detail. I've mentioned it on the Spudio show, but I've been that. And I have also been trolled as well, um, which is ridiculous. But um, I got trolled along with um, Keith, actually, from Table Football Monthly, where I don't know how this happened. I don't know why this happened because... I, me and Keith have got no if, issues with each other. But so, somebody decided to go onto my personal Facebook and use my profile picture, which at the time was a picture of me and my wife. And they superimposed uh, Keith's head onto my body. And then they call it memes. So they put stuff about, oh, I've left Callum for Keith because he's got a bigger this, bigger that, better channel, more followers, et cetera, et cetera. So I suppose that's been the biggest downside that people have, decided that or one individual to be fair i've got only been one person one individual has decided that that needed to be done i just thought it was totally unnecessary but it has thankfully been the only negative i think personally so far of of being of putting myself out there onto youtube and and that sort of stuff and trying to push myself more but yeah i'd say that's probably the only only negative so far Lawrence Watson has also been trolled, but to him, 
Another downside is not so much the trolling, but how much time it takes up in your life. As we can hear, being well known can keep you quite busy. Not real. I've never had. I had a troll once on Twitter, and it was for something ridiculous. And I just, I just brushed it off. It was like somebody tagged somebody in one of my posts, and the guy replied, "Like, what the f is this? State of this, you know?" And it was something like, "I would be lying if I told you exactly what it was." But it was like something like Man City, I figure, and then a Man City or a Man United supporter come on and says, "Like, what's this? This is terrible." And I just looked at it and went, "What are you doing? Do you reply to it?" And you just think, "Why even get into it?" But the good thing about Twitter is. Everybody's there for the same reason. Um, I think Facebook's a wee bit more defensive. I think there's more. I think there's more people that are jealous of people on Facebook. You know, there's that much of a massive community on Facebook that it, there's so many different divides on it. Whereas Twitter would be everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's one big happy family on Twitter. Um, downside it, you lose a lot of. You lose a lot of personal time. Um, definitely, you get you get more questions to answer. You get more. T- we spend more time sitting on my phone, say of an evening where I'm not doing any painting or anything, and just trying to help people out. And I mean, like, you would answer somebody's question, and one question is never enough. So it would be five or six. It would be an hour's conversation on Twitter or text messages or whatever else. So that. That would be the only downside, and it's not, it's not, it's not a major downside. You know what I mean? It's, it's something I enjoy doing. Um, definitely, and when people come to me and say I'm thinking about getting into the game or I'm thinking about getting into painting, can you advise me? And I'm happy to send them links to where I buy everything. Um, I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't try and make any money out of it. I'd be like, there you go. There's an I pay. There's a G pay. Um, and just helping anybody. So, like you say, I'm sure. I have seen, I have seen people being trolled on Facebook for they're bigger, they're bigger than what we are. You know, um, I'll not, well, not name names or shame anybody, but I have seen people getting flack on Facebook, and it's just because people are jealous. Um, and that's the only thing I would ever, the only thing I could say is if you want to get into painting or you want to get into playing some video. Stick to Twitter, definitely stick to Twitter or Instagram's great. Um, like Twitter and Instagram just so, sort of go hand in hand, whereas Facebook's really defensive. Yeah. Just too many people, there's far too many people out there that don't want to like see other people doing good, if that makes sense. For Stephen Huddle, trolling isn't the problem. As a publisher of a magazine that's designed to bring the entire Sabutio congregation together, avoiding arguments within the community has been his priority. Um, not in terms of trolls. I, I haven't really had much experience. I've had a few comments. I've had a couple of arguments, you could say. Um, one of the one of the things I really do try, and I've tried very very hard. I've written football blogs before, and that's an absolute cesspit of the internet anything to do with football it's very tribal it's very angry um so one thing i've always made is any account and anything i work on i try to be as positive as possible um it's very easy to get sucked in be negative complain about things and that tends to stoke the sort of flames of of that um so i i have avoided that to an extent um i think that the the only downside is that you can get sucked in you can you know there's always going to be things within the community that you don't like um, there's always going to be people doing things that you don't approve of, that you don't really like to see. Um, and it's very difficult to then not be sucked in and try and police it and be and, you know, and, and go wading in and say, stop doing this, stop doing that, when really that's not what the Sabutio community is about. Nobody controls it. No one is in charge. Um, that's been the major downside for me that, you know, you, you can be sucked in and you can try to sort of, shape the community how you want it when it's not really my place to do that. Despite the fact that the Sepudio community is relatively small compared to others, most of our contributors were still surprised by the size and scope of its membership that they decided to bring together all of its various facets, the players, the stadium builders, the collectors 
and the painters in a new YouTube show called Netflix. The show launched in October 2020 and now boasts over 500 subscribers. I asked one of its hosts, Stephen Hurrell, what he felt was the secret behind its success. It, it's a really strange one because we are so different as well. Um, and the way we enjoy Specio is so different. I write about it, Stu collects, Callum paints, what's he also paints, but he also does these incredible models as well. Um, and he actually plays much more seriously than the other three of us. Um, in, I mean, in terms of the chemistry, it helps that Stuart and Callum just don't shut up. Um, so, you know, they'll fill any gaps in conversation. They'll have a chat. They'll have that sort of banter between be, between themselves as well. Um, but I think it works because there is that good mix of different experiences, different opinions, different ways we'd like to do things. Um, and that works because we can then, you know, each person can input in a different way. And you don't just get four people saying the same thing over and over again. I then asked him if he could remember how it had all started. Um, it's difficult to say, really. It, it certainly wasn't my doing. Um, I think I got a message from Stuart and Callum um, saying that they were going to put it together. Obviously, they've, they've been on YouTube for quite a while. Um, and I, I've always wanted to do a video series. I never did it because I, and I wanted it to be a certain quality and a certain type of series that would have took a lot more than my ability at the time. I was overtaken that a, a little bit by the, the excellent um, Table Football Monthly, which does a lot of you know, the sort of thing that I was looking to do. Um, just did it significantly better than I could. So I sort of gave up on the, on the video idea around that time. Um, and yeah, I think it might have been Stuart messaged and just said, look, why don't we just get together, make it really casual, you know, almost like a, a casual chat show type format um, and we can just talk about Ceruzio you know it's another one that we're not really doing it for a huge audience we're just doing it because it's it's a nice way to spend a Tuesday night um, it's a nice way to sit down and have a chat about Ceruzio and engage with the community a little bit as well. Stuart Grant was described there by Stephen Hurrell as one of the main drivers behind the show had a clear idea about what he thought the show should be and like Lawrence Watson who had BBC's Fantasy Football League as an influence he had another show in mind when he had came up with the idea for Netflix. Yeah, so what it was, remember last year during lockdown, there was no football on, which meant there was no match of the day on, but they still put on a programme every Saturday night where you had Lineker, Wright, Shearer, all talking about the best goals of all time, the best players of all time. And I remember watching it and thinking, this is really cool because they're not together, but it's really entertaining. They're having a load of banter. And I thought, we could do that with Subutio on like a smaller scale on YouTube. So I pitched it to Callum, pitched it to Stephen, pitched it to Watsy. So obviously Watsy's got his channel, Callum's got his, Stephen does a blog. And they was like, yeah, it could be a great idea. So we did our trial run episode. I had such a laugh doing it. That was great fun. And it all spun off from there, really. It was just the case of seeing what everyone else did on the telly during lockdown. And we could do this. And because none of us live local enough, when we come out of lockdown, we could still continue doing it like that. The main problem, in my opinion, facing any of these channels, as well as my own podcast and the game of Subutio in general, is whether or not the growth and interest we have seen over the last year will survive the end of lockdown and a return to something approaching normality that has been promised by our dear leaders. Men are notoriously fickle. And the fear amongst the die-hard enthusiasts is that many will lose interest and simply drift away from the community, returning to whatever it was that held their interest before the pandemic struck. It's therefore up to those with influence within the community to step up to the plate and maintain, if not the same level of interest, remember, above all I'm a realist, at least a level of interest beyond what it was pre-pandemic. Each of our contributors know full well that the community will be looking to them for guidance and leadership, so it won't come as a surprise to hear that they're already thinking about the future of their channels, magazines and podcasts. Here's Callum Westwood. Just about to start a new job, um, which is going to require me to be more flexible with my hours at work because I'm going to be a personal trainer. So I need to make space for clients, basically. Um, but the channel is carrying on. There shouldn't be any changes on the channel. So the things that are going to be coming on the channel soon are the second series of the Painting Academy. Um, the first series went really, really well. And I keep getting asked about it now, but I'm in the middle of another series at the moment. But yeah, so the second series of the Painting Academy is going to be coming out. 
which is like the paint along um Zabutio sort of teaching series that I did. So the last series I did final. So basically in each episode I show you a stage of the painting and then you would do it and then the week after that the next comes out. And by the time you get to the end of it, you've got yourself uh, your own hand painting Zabutio team. Um so we've got a second series of that coming out. Don't know what we're gonna be painting yet, I haven't decided. Um, I'm in the middle of a series looking at the different figures and bases that are available easily in the UK. Um, there's a lot of them, but I'm just trying to go through them. And some of it's my own first experiences with them. So I'm doing a series on what I think about them, um, how they fit together. Can you use different figures with a different manufacturer's base and vice versa? And then I'm going to be carrying that series on with what they all like to paint. And then by the time I've done that, we're going to have a look at what they're like to play with. So how do they slide? Do they, do they curve, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, yeah, just trying to keep on with doing as many things as I can to, to help the community really. Um, so as many different videos about different products, maybe different paints, um, different tutorials and things, they tend to be really, really popular, the tutorials. So I'm definitely going to look to do some more of those, but yeah, so there's a lot to do. Um, just going to be less time to do it. I think. Lawrence Watson is another one that will continue with his online show, even continuing it beyond the regular Premier League season. It's good to know they're even considering adding new features to the programme. Uh, I don't think we I don't think we'll change it. Um, obviously the season's going to come to an end. Um, we would like to take a bit of time off from it, uh, because it, it is it is hard um, hard to be committing day and evening every night of the week you know you have no flexibility especially when you've got other things going on every other night of the week so dedicating what that one night sort of leaves you isolated a little so like I like to go out on the bike we always record on a Wednesday night the good nights are coming in so it's going to you know on a Wednesday night I would love to be out cycling but obviously it's not going to happen Um, but at the same time I don't want it to end you know when the season's over I would miss doing the show every week. Um, so what we're we're talking about is doing like a Euros show. So we're talking maybe about there's obviously going to be what is there thirty two teams in Euros this year, maybe more. I'm not sure. Um, so maybe selling everybody a team, so you can buy a raffle, pick a team, and then we'll do it that way, like a uh like a just a, like a ballot. So then we can do a show on that every week. So we've got the rest of the Euros. The cover is a couple of months in the summer, and then obviously after the Euros, take a quick break, and then the Premier League will start again. We'll be back at it. Um, I would, I would love to keep everything that's in there already. I would love the ad stuff. I mean, we're getting suggestions every week for different things they add in. Um, we did want to do an all female show, but we just can't get female players that want to come on. A lot of them are Portuguese, German, um. French and the language barrier is a bit of a problem so we have approached a few female players to come on and they just don't want to come on because of the language barrier um, always very apologetic but our, our plan was to have a completely female show with Painter's Corner being all women like Hell Coyle being the, the, the Painter's Corner but she doesn't want to come on she doesn't want to speak to anybody Um. Obviously, we have Ruby there. Ruby's our only female at the minute. And then everything else would have been dedicated to women. But obviously, it's just such a niche market to try and get them. And, and obviously, the language is a bit of a problem. So in the future, we, we really want to have a female show, all-female show. Stuart Grant, who has already started his brand extension through TikTok, is another who plans to continue with his work. He's particularly keen to appeal to a wider, newer audience. Oh, I don't know. So for my channel, I'm just going to carry it on doing what I'm doing, plugging away, unboxing, talking about irrelevant things about Sabutio. I'm actually editing tonight my 100th episode. So that's got a Q&A in it. I've got things like 101 facts for the channel. But I'll just carry on doing exactly as I've been doing the whole way along. When I get something, I will unbox it on the show. If something new comes out, I'll review it the only way I can, which is in the most stupid, obvious dumb way possible but make it relevant for everyone i just want to keep doing what i'm doing and entertaining people i just hope it's entertaining because i've said this before i don't actually aim my show at 
the Saputio community. It's great, obviously, that the Saputio community watch it. That's fantastic. I love that. But I, I kind of want it to grow, and I want people to watch it who don't play Saputio. People who know what it is, but they just watch it because they've got a keen interest. Because that's what I do on YouTube. I watch people unboxing wrestling figures and people talking about people going through abandoned buildings. And I would never do that myself, but I find it interesting. So there's got to be people out there that like Sabutio that just want to watch it but not get involved. That's kind of where I want to go with it entertaining-wise. With Netflix Sabutio show, exactly the same. We just want to be as entertaining as possible. And if a few people listen to us, if a few people find us entertaining, then brilliant. Because at the end of the day, the best thing about that show is it's just the four of us having a chat. We kind of have some points that we want to get off, but we started off wanting to do it for about half an hour. And it generally goes on for about an hour and a half. I have to try and hit it down to an hour and a half, or hit it down to an hour. But it is just fun for us to have a chat. So if anyone actually listens to that and finds it enjoyable, perfect. But we will just carry on talking, talking to you. There will always be something to talk about because there will always be a new product. There will always be a difference of opinion between us. So we will just carry on talking and hopefully entertaining people. That's what we, all we want to do is entertain people and ourselves. We do it to entertain ourselves as well, really. <laughs> The contributor with perhaps the most ambitious plans is also one of the quietest. Here's Stephen Hurrell on his plans, which are remarkably generous and communitarian in spirit. I think for the magazine, it's about consistency. I think it's, I want it to become quarterly, potentially monthly um, in the next few years. Um, I want it to be liked. I want it to be, I want people to contribute. I want it to represent the community. The first magazine was, um, a lot of writing and things done by me. It was not edited the way I would like and the standards that I would like to set for the magazine. It was a bit rushed out. So I'd like the, the quality to improve, um, but I'd also like it to be much more of a collaborative effort. And thankfully for the second issue, we've got a lot of really great contributors now um, and people who just want to share their things. So I think the magazine, it's bigger, better. It's consistency, get it out in time. And there's some operational issues that we need to iron out in terms of posting and things like that, but we'll get there. Um, and in terms of the blog, it's much the same. Um, you know, I absolutely love doing the blog. I do it for me, but I would like it to become a bit more of a hub for the community as well. I want people, I want it to be able, a place where people can contribute, where people can share things. You know, not everyone wants to sit there and set up a website. Not everyone wants to set up a Facebook group or a Facebook page, but I think everybody wants a little place at the internet where they can share their Sabutio passion, you know, share their collections, their stadiums, their solo league results. Um, and I'd like the site to be able to do that and give people the freedom to to use my platform to, you know, as their platform, essentially. You know, I benefit. I get a, I get a busy, thriving website. Um, you know, I get people buying the magazine. Um, I don't make a profit off any of this, and, and I, I've got no intention of ever doing that. Um, but, you know, I love being part of you know part of this and I, I love that you know my site can maybe help to improve grow um, and encourage the community to uh, to share of course no one can predict what the future holds this podcast for example has a definite lifespan eventually i will have covered all the different parts of the community and told most of the stories that there are to tell at that point it will be time to end the programme and turn my thoughts to something else. I asked each of our contributors if they ever saw a day when they might stop what they're doing. First up, Stuart Grant, who accepts that eventually he may have to. But the good news is, it's not going to be any time soon. I've got it one day, I'm going to have to. Um, but I don't see it happening in the near future, and I definitely don't have any plans to do it. I mean, we never know what life throws at us. We never know what's coming ahead. At the moment, work's been busy, kids and family life's busy, so it's been hard to get episodes out at the moment, but I will never stop, and I will always churn my way through, and anything I get, I'll put on the show, but I guess one day, I might have to stop, but I have absolutely no plans to do it anytime soon, in the next few years, I like to think I'll be doing this in a good few years' time, I'll be carrying on, because I enjoy doing it as well, it's fun, I like watching my videos back and editing them and putting them together. It's good fun. I enjoy the time doing it, so I'll be doing it for a long while. Martin Og Bradley, in his usual phlegmatic style, believes that their show will continue, mainly due to the fun that they get from doing it. I don't know now. 
I don't know. I think it's going all right. I mean, we had no fantasy football this week. And we just had a chat. And chatted about Subidio. And Lauren, he showed some pictures of um, figures. Of people are still going to be painting Subidio and collect Subidio. And people will start playing Subidio again when the world opens up. And before the pandemic, I mean, if you had went on to Facebook on a Saturday, you could have watched Subidio matches all day long. You know, and there's something you can talk about that. I quite like doing the show. It's, uh, you know, you make nothing from it. I don't have to do much to it. I wouldn't mind if it wasn't on for a week. I wouldn't mind that, you know. If it stopped, I wouldn't really mind. But I think that there's plenty of, there's plenty of crack to be had still going forward, even when the football season ends. I don't know when the football season ends, but there's usually like European. I think Lawrence said the Euros are coming up. His co-host, Lawrence Watson, sees it slightly differently. He recognises that some of the problems facing this podcast also face his show. However, he does realise the importance that the show now has for some members of the community. No, I, Martin always Martin always talks about cutting it down from one week to two weeks. Um, or cutting it down to a month, but then I think you're you would end up bombarding people every two weeks or a month with so much information. It would make, I think I think our show already at some at most weeks is an hour long. Um, I, I don't think I would like to stop it. Out. There's times there's times I do go, why am I doing this? And how have I got into this position? And I can't get out of it. But then I go, geez, no, I love it because the feet. It's the feedback and the comments, and, and that's it. At the start, we always say it's not about viewers, it's not about subscribers. Um, but it's nice to see every when you click into the channel and you're up at, you started off with fifty viewers, and you're up at we're up at three hundred and I think it's three hundred sixty-seven at the minute. Obviously, we're night and day away from being anywhere like hundreds of thousands where people what would want to be. Um, but we're not in it for any profit or money or fame or we're just in it to give something back to the community um and obviously we, the good thing about it is the feedback you get about helping people's mental health the, the feedback you get about getting people through lockdown you know it's amazing and, and it's those private messages you get or it's the comments you get on the youtube channel or the messages you get on your twitter that's the sort of thing that keeps you going you know and I, I would ring Martin straight away or send him a text of a screenshot of a private message I've got saying, somebody's just sent me this message. We're helping people with mental health problems who are depressed and they look forward to the show every week. So the times that you think about jacking it in and then you think about the people that you're helping, you go, what? No way. You couldn't, you couldn't, let, you couldn't let them down, you know. And then obviously I was off the Netflix show there for two weeks, um, for a month. Uh, and then I was getting text, private text messages and people asking me if I was okay, is everything all right? And I was able to explain to them why I wasn't on the show. Um, and they're all really supportive. Um, and that's that's the, the beauty of the community. And that's the beauty of Twitter. And that's what I'm saying. Everybody on Twitter is just amazing, like, obviously. Um, but no, I, I, I wouldn't stop the show, no. Unless, unless the views were getting, like, Nobody was watching it. It was like 10 views a week. Um, and we started losing subscribers every week rather than gaining them. Then I would just say, look, Martin, it's not working. It's it's run its course. Um, obviously, we're going to start running out of guests. <laughs> so we're going to have to start them back through everybody that's been on the show. But hopefully, I would like to get a full Premier League season with using different guests every week. And then when we come back next year, our next season, we can start them through all the guests again because everybody will have something different to say, you know. Stephen Huddle, on the other hand, believes that he will continue for some time based as it is in his enjoyment of doing it. In fact, he wants to expand the community to achieve its full potential. Um, I, I, can't, I can't. I enjoy it too much. Um, you never know. You never know what life's going to throw at you. Um, if I ever did stop doing what I was doing, I would be very confident that there are enough very brilliant people doing very brilliant things that it probably wouldn't be missed. Um, 
but as long as I keep enjoying it, I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going to keep doing trying to do bigger and better things. Um, I think we've only scratched the surface, really, of what can be done in terms of the Spezio community. Um, and I'll see what I can do. I think I think the next step is let's get some wider eyes on Spezio. There's some absolutely brilliant things going on. There's some really incredible you know, stadium builds and tournaments and just really fun things. The community is so funny. It's so clever that is the next step. Can we get the wider you know, football-loving community to start paying attention, start joining in? It'd be interesting to see. Callum Westwood, unlike the others, has given up to beauty before and he accepts that it may happen again. Have I ever... I have stopped inverted commas before. Um, I mean, I've been doing the Subuti painting for over 10 years. I started off team painting um, when that sort of was first a thing, when companies like Santiago first sort of came around and started off team painting and putting things on eBay. Then it all just got too much. Um, it just got a bit, I don't know, I found it a bit boring and a lot of pressure on myself to produce teams and I sort of stopped enjoying it. So I kind of stopped then. But it always manages to find a way to, to get me again, really. So I always end up going back to it in some way. So I'm not, I would say no. Um, there'll always be things I'll be doing. So I, I mean, I've said I won't be doing frames and teams again at the moment, but I will definitely still be doing the odd bits and pieces to um, carry it on. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever stop. I think most people, and even people that stop collecting, eventually go back to it. Once it's got you, it's got you, I think. It's beautiful. Well, there you have it. Subutio. Once it's got you, it's got you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, where we've drilled down into the fame game. Our contributors may not be the best-known producers on YouTube or the internet, but they are important to our small and growing online Subutio community, and it would undoubtedly be a poorer place without them and the work that they do. So I, for one... Hope that they continue to produce their shows, magazines and online content for as long as possible. The Game of Subutio needs people who are willing to place themselves front and centre to promote it. And without them, the game will simply wither on the vine and die. So if they can utilise modern communication tools to maintain interest and possibly encourage a new generation, then they and their work should be applauded. Next week... I'll be getting all sociological as I put forward a hypothesis that Subutio was originally a working class game and that it's in danger of becoming gentrified like its big brother, Association Football. So if you don't want to miss the show, then subscribe to Finger Flickin' Good on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Anchor or wherever you get your podcasts. Finger Flickin' Good is an airtime production. It's written and presented by me, Derek Ayer, with contributions from Martin L. Bradley, Stuart Grant, Stephen Harrell, Lawrence Watson and Carmen Westwood. The theme music is Drive. It's written and produced specially for the programme by Campbell Lair of the Creature Appeal. Check them out on Apple Music, Amazon Music and Spotify.